Gmail podcast, Webmail Security. This show is a proud member of Friends in Tech at friendsintech.com. Welcome to the Gmail Podcast, a collection of short hints, tips, and tricks to help you get more from your Gmail account. I'm your host, Chuck Tomasi. This special episode of the Gmail Podcast is a recording of a webmail security presentation I did at DragonCon in Atlanta, Georgia on September 3rd, 2011. I co-presented for the EFF track with my Technorama co-host, Craig Stepp. It's a little longer than the usual Gmail podcast, and at times it starts to become a Google support forum. But thanks to Craig's facilitation, he gets things back on track. This episode contains many topics discussed on previous episodes of the Gmail podcast, along with some new information put together in one package. If you're looking for better ways to reduce your risk of email attacks, then you won't want to miss this episode. I now have 1.30, so welcome. Thank you everybody for coming out today. It's, uh, I know there's eight bazillion tracks and a lot, a lot of interesting stuff out there today. So I appreciate you coming to this and learning a little bit more about webmail and personal security to keep yourself safe online, share the information with your relatives, praise the good word, share the news, that kind of thing. Raise your hands in the air just like you don't Now, care. I want to I first see if we can be louder than the science people next door. So let's hear it for DragonCon. There you go. That'll make them wonder what we're doing over here. <laughs> My name is Chuck Tomasi. And is, I'm Craig Stepp. And uh, some of you may know us. We were men in black in the parade. If you didn't see, I shot Jar Jar. He, he, he neuralized everybody else, so you yeah. didn't see anything. Uh, together, we have a combined experience of about 50 years in IT. So we've been at this a while. Uh, we have seven years and about over a thousand podcast episodes of various shows and things. So uh, that's where our hobby and interest lie. That's actually where we met is doing podcasting stuff, and uh, really enjoyed that. And yeah, I keep up my friends on the internet. You're one of them. Thanks. I think he buys his friends on eBay. <laughs> uh, Gmail podcast, which kind of lent into doing this pretty well. Technorama is our fun podcast. We'll be doing a live show over in the podcast track tomorrow night at 10 p.m. if you want to just kick back on a Sunday, have some fun, that kind of thing. Uh, we've done two books, one of which I already mentioned, Teach Yourself WordPress 3 in 10 Minutes, and uh, I co-authored Podcasting for Dummies with T. Morris and Evo Terra a couple of years back. So that's, uh, if you're interested in getting into podcasting, good source of information. be happy to talk to you about that. Information if you want, websites there. Otherwise, you can Google either of us. We have such interesting spellings, it's real easy to hit us. Can't, can't swing a dead cat without hitting us with a Google in the face. All right, now the purpose of, uh, of our talk today is not to be really high level, so we're going to do some mostly good practices for if you're using Gmail, and a lot of this will apply to Hotmail and uh, Yahoo and whatnot. And it's to kind of keep you, prevent you from getting in trouble. You know, uh, again, high-level stuff that's not hard to implement, uh, you know, that uh, you can share with other people and it's easy to talk about. Uh, and, of course, we'll have this online with uh, uh, links and whatnot, so you can share that around as well. Uh, but the, the whole idea is we want to keep people from uh, making simple mistakes to really get you in trouble, and, you know, hack your identity or whatnot with your Gmail or webmail account. I want to make sure that this, this isn't just a one-way street where we're up here going blah, 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 blah for the next 45 minutes or so. Uh, if you've got interest, experience of things, we're not you know, security experts by any stretch of the imagination. We know a few products, a few key tips, and, and share them. But if your experience uh, lends itself without going too much down a rabbit hole, this isn't DEF CON. We're not trying to make you ISACA certified or anything crazy. Uh, want to pass on practical experience, but certainly share. This is a two-way experience. At any point, if you've got a comment, question, anything, raise your hand and go, hey, what was that? What is it? If I throw out acronyms, stop me. I'm notorious for doing that. Say, what does that mean? How does that go? Slow it down a little, Chuck. So we get going about 100 miles an hour. I so. just say that all the time to him. Slow it down. Shut up and slow down. Yeah. Right. Uh, first one I've got is a question of... Who cares? How special am I out there on the internet? Who gets hit by these hackers and who's looking for trouble? Uh, the answer is everybody is vulnerable. Usually people at, at uh, high positions of authority and government and whatnot. I've got a Wall Street Journal article here from June when China was attacking uh, Gmail accounts from the White House. They wanted to find out how many silly politicians 
were sending secure information to their personal accounts via Gmail, Yahoo, whatever. Now, of course, the government says, oh, no, we're fine. Well, we're, Nobody okay. does that, yeah. right? Don't look over here. Look over there. Okay. <laughs> Having experience in the real world, I know people do this all the time. They'll download the financial information because they can't get access to their corporate VPN or, or too lazy or it's too hard or whatever. They'll say, ah, oh, it's just easy. I'll send it to my home email address. Work on it tonight. You just took you know, customer account information, employee HR information, and sent it over a connection that you, know, you don't know if it's secure or not. Because at work, what do they make you do? They make you change your password every 30 days or 60 days or whatever it is. Use really hard passwords that nobody likes. And do you do that at home? Nah, we just keep using fluffy one as the password and we're good, you know, everything's cool. Uh, not quite the level of security that you want protecting the corporate information. So, although the government denies it, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, make sure that you have that same mentality if you are sending that information. If you've got a home, you've got a secure social security number, you've got credit cards, you should be treating all of your identity very strongly. I mean, it's not easy if you ever ask anybody who's had identity theft to recover from that. It's very difficult. So we'll give you some easy, easy, simple best practices. We'll give you some features that you may not have heard about or, or thought about using and go, hey, you know what? I could do that tomorrow. And you'd be one step better than you were today at protecting yourself. So be aware it's not just you know, the politicians or Steve Jobs or whatever that, that is a target for these. It's everybody, not to put the fear of God into you or anything. <laughs> so actually the first thing that you can do, of course, is change your password. If you don't remember how long it's been since you changed your password, it's probably change a good clue to change it now. Um, I'm guilty of that. I've had you know, that same password over a long period of time and I've had to change it uh, and I'll talk about that a little bit, why I did. but. Uh, Change it no less than six months. You know, make a calendar reminder to yourself to go change it. It's not difficult. Um, you know, and uh, try and make a good password. Of course, everybody knows don't use God and sex and love or whatever as a password. Throw some numbers in there and some uh, exclamation points, uh, any kind of um, you know punctuation to try and uh, make it a little stronger than just a normal. Uh, word to guess. Yes, sir. Well, I heard that a bad idea for passwords. I think one of the random numbers makes it wrong. I think Yeah, you can use a, a phrase, so something from a movie or something like that. What was the one you were using earlier? We were talking. Oh, yeah. Not uh, your password. I'll use it. No, it's not. Now one we're mine. changing to social engineering. No. What was it? It's, uh, it's what I was using as an example. We'll use it again and again during today. But it's, uh, if you take the first letter of a common phrase, and you can mix up some of the numbers and letters. Uh, my kids used to watch Lion King all the time, so I had that stupid song, You Just Can't Wait to Be King. <laughs> I just can't wait to, to see a number, be king. And throw a date on it. The last time I changed it was September 6th. Mm -hmm. So SEP 6. I just can't wait to be king. SEP 6. Very hard for somebody to guess that. Okay. But a very easy thing to, for you to remember. It's like, oh, there's that damn song again. It's like, yeah, game, All right, right Chuck, that's enough. All right, yes, sir. Uh, one thing I come across is uh, a lot of times when people are putting passwords up there to make it a bit more secure, if you have a hard consonant in there, you can capitalize that letter on it, put the rest of the lowercase, or you have an A or an S or something like that, change it to an at symbol or a dollar sign. Mm -hmm. It gets your uh, other ca characters in there. Yeah. Yep. Another thing you can do is... Uh, oh, wait, we got a wandering microphone. microphone It'll be easier for everybody to hear. And I think this is being recorded, yes? Okay. Oh, sweet. All right. Um, is uh, actually install another language on your keyboard and then switch to that language and then type the thing in because the characters will be different. Love those backwards R in Cerulean. Yeah. Isn't that well, see, I actually use my Klingon keyboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crack that password. <laughs> Kapla. <laughs> wow. Nice Dragon Con reference. That's right. And it, again, if you can't remember the last time you said it, set yourself a reminder. If you use Outlook, Control Shift K. Learn those hotkeys. It takes all of 10 seconds ago, control shift K, change password every six months, done. And make sure if you do set a reminder to yourself, it's a convenient time. It's not 10 a.m. on Monday and you've got a meeting at 10 a.m. because you're going to see that alarm go, bling, bling, it's time to change your password. You go, oh, I got a meeting, come back later. You won't change it for another six months. Yeah, or Friday at 4.30 when you're leaving the office. Friday is a good point because I used to run a help desk in one of my former lives and one of the most common calls on Mondays was, I forgot my password because I changed it on Friday and I don't remember what I did this weekend. So be cognizant of when is a good time to change it 
When will you remember it? And again, if you're like me and you've got 8,000 passwords out there, because we all write, we know we shouldn't be using the same password on eBay and Yahoo and, 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 and. You know, some of us do. Bad idea. Couple of tips. One, use a password vault. KeyPass is a good one, one password. There's a whole slew of them out there. Pick your favorite. I like this one, there's one master password. I know he knows it, because if I get hit by a bus, there's IT systems in my house that my wife doesn't know how to manage that he can always guide her through if he's got access to them. So I have a trusted soulmate in the I, in the IT world. That just Thank came you, out Chuck. really That's wrong. Perfect. I love you too, man. <laughs> this one is KeePass, K-E-E-P-A-S-S. There's a keypass.org. There's and there's a keypass X for OSX. Yeah. Keypass.info. Thank you very much. I do. I personally use LastPass. You know, it's it's free. I know they had a little glitch not too long ago, but I I've been pretty happy with them. Uh, and it's integrated in the browser, so it's easy to for your passwords to get sent right to the login form and you're in. Uh, and this kind of stuff is necessary. I do expense reports once a month, and the credit card thing makes me. Oop, we lost Mike. Here we go credit card thing makes me change my password every 60 days so I get like two uses out of every password and 30 days later I'm like what was that last password I don't remember yeah. go back into the vault get the password and then they say change your password great I barely remembered the last one you can generate a new one really secure with all kinds of parameters you want to use uppercase lowercase numbers you know check 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 go here comes this 20 character monstrosity copy paste put it in there goodbye Wells Fargo for another two months. So little features, take a look, see what works for you in your environment. If you're purely from a web browser, there's web browsers. Um, if you're doing something like this, you can keep a copy. Again, multi-platform is nice, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not selling or endorsing any one of them, just telling you what we use. Oh, by the way, I was just asked uh, to mention that somebody found a phone here. So if you're missing your cell phone. Or we'll have another drawing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Okay, so, you know, I don't use kiosks very often, but I'm sure other people do. Chuck was talking about uh, checking into, like, uh, what your, your boarding passes, passes and whatnot. It's a typical one. Yeah, so when you go to use an internet kiosk or something like that, one, I know this is very obvious, be sure to log out when you're done. Because if you don't, you know, the next schmo that comes up there can actually get right into your email. Um, there's This is also an excellent source of uh, using... Single, si single passwords, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, you know, so it's just a one-use time, and psh, it's out of there. It's no good. So if somebody does see it from the machine, for some reason, you know, they're not going to get them, like, on your account. And, uh, yeah, some logins, I know, like, Gmail. No, not Gmail, but there's some accounts. It'll give you the thing that says, this is not my computer, so it'll, yeah. it won't store your uh, cookies and whatnot. And also, I'll make another note that on these machines, you know, whenever you view a web page, I don't know if, I know my mom doesn't, isn't aware of this, so she thinks like the images are beamed to her computer or something, I don't know. But those things are cached on your, on your machine. So if you view a, uh, an attachment or, you know, go to a web page, any of those images are cached on the computer. The, how long? I don't know. You know, there's no telling, depending on the configuration of the machine. But somebody could potentially, potentially see those things. So kind of be aware of that, you know, that those things could be sitting there. Yes, sir. Activating private browsing, like on Firefox, or uh, does that keep the cookies from being stored? Like private browsing, once you stop private browsing, would it delete all those things? Yeah, you're talking about like the um, incognito no mode. Yeah, well, see, that stuff, it's only cached for that period of time. As soon as you close the window, that stuff goes away, even your cookies, all that stuff. So you don't stay logged in. Um, you know, so yeah, it's always a good idea to close your browser, especially if you use the incognito mode. I think I saw Cognito running around out here somewhere in costume. Yeah, yeah probably did. I would... Doesn't it does not delete flash cookies. I guess that has to do with Adobe, right? Yeah. I saw flash out there, too. Better privacy? He said there's a plugin called Better Privacy that'll help uh, clean out some of the flash cookies. So if you go to a website that's flash-based or something like that, you know, they can keep information also. I didn't even think about that, so. Thank you, disembodied voice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I'm gonna, I, I will tell you from the security side, you can pretty much assume that if it's a public kiosk, it's been infected. Right. They're yeah. out there yeah. trying to infect every one of them. Yeah, if it's a public computer, 
consider that. You know, it's just like I'm posting a private picture on the internet. If you put it on the internet, expect it to be seen. So. Good comments. Thank you. Thank you. Um, next one. Always use SSL. SSL is a secure sockets layer. Basically, there's two transportation ports, if you will, or channels you can come down on the internet. One is port 80. It's wide open, clear text. If you type your password and anything says HTTP colon slash slash, you're transmitting it in clear text. If it's HTTPS, it's encrypted. So look at your browser. If you see the little lock icon, you see the uh, little colored banner. It says, this has a certificate. Somebody has certified that this is encrypted. And always check your URL. Make sure it says HTTPS. And coming from a known source. Coming from a known source, right. So just real simple check. Yes, microphone up here. Was that Google.com SSL certificate uh, issued by DigiNotar? I'd have to double check. It was either Thought or VeriSign, if memory serves. I can't rec recall well, which one. I'm saying that because uh, DigiNotar issued a false SSL certificate for every Google.com domain. Nice. That's right. I forgot about that. You're right. So you got to be sure, you know, where uh, this is just a recent story, and I guess you got to be aware of who's signing it. So that's another layer of what what do I need to pay attention to to protect myself? And was it DigiNotel you said? It's like a German company, wasn't it? Yeah, Dutch company. So you know these false certificates are flowing around. You think it's encrypted, and uh, somebody could actually have you know the keys to decrypt your encrypted information. Yeah. So anyway, um, moving right along. Internet hotspots, and you know we're using them all around here as long as they stay up, right? Uh, <laughs> so. Some of the good ideas are stay away from, there was like a, a public, um, there's a, I'm trying to think of the other name for it, but there's one, you know, anything called public free Wi-Fi, Linksys, our, our neighbor in our hotel has a Linksys router, it didn't even change the name for Pete's sake, and it's wide open, and it was called Linksys, uh, anything called Hotspot, you know, very generic stuff, Just be careful, you know, be very wary of that kind of thing. You may get on the internet, you may think it's great, get on your phone, maybe your mail clients actually check in mail. You know, and you're not doing that. You're actually browsing the internet. Your passwords are being sent, you know, without you even realizing it. So you got to be careful about the public hotspots. And you you go to Starbucks. Don't get the don't get on the Starbucks Z with a Z. Michelle. Oh, you need a box over here. Yeah, just be sure you know what you're what you're looking at. And uh, you know, public hotspots use them, treat them as such again, and in the public. Yeah, we went to Gibney's just down the street. This little um, English pub kind of building, red front, beautiful, great food, by the way, and uh, saw that they had Wi-Fi. Well, there were like four or five other hotspots responding too. So I asked the uh, waitress, I said, what is the name of the network? She said, Gibney's. <laughs> Easy enough, okay, that's what I would have assumed, but don't assume anything when you're dealing with public internet. And I said, what is the password? And she wrote it down for us, because she said it, and I'm like, whatever that means. And then she Zuckerbar wrote it down. Or something. Zuckerbar or something? <laughs> Zucker or something. Yeah. Uh, and it worked. So I know I was talking to an employee, not just you know, the guy in the booth next to me who could have set up an ad hoc network going, <laughs> because if, if cool. this is you on the internet and you just jump onto any old network, you could be talking to somebody with, who's intercepting your traffic. You think you're talking to PayPal or Citibank or whatever, they're getting all your traffic and then retransmitting it or not. Well, they've now got your credentials to get back on later. So that's called a man in the middle. Yes? When it comes to smartphones and things like that, it's just safer to use no Wi-Fi unless it's like your Wi-Fi at home or something like that on it. It seems like that's probably a better idea than just using, like you said, doing these public things, especially yeah. how they sync up and automatically log you into your Facebook or your Gmail or anything like that. Yeah, if it's pretty risky. I generally don't. When I'm on my phone, for one thing, you know, trying to get access to everybody's network is kind of a pain. But um, if it's a network I know, my parents would be a good example. I make sure that they've got a SID and a password on theirs as well. Um, yeah, I generally go with my 3G or 4G or whatever network, that wireless information, rather than hopping on a Wi-Fi spot. It's just a matter of convenience for me. Plus, it saves a battery if I don't have two radios running. Too. So if I'm here, I turn the Wi-Fi off. And don't set your phone to auto-connect either. <laughs> yeah. Or the laptop. 
Yeah. Yeah. Don't join ad hoc. Uh, Gmail has a feature that lets you check for unusual activity. Any Gmail users in here? Okay. How many Hotmail? Yahoo? You can leave, sir. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Your own? Anybody run their own hosted domain mail stuff? Cool. We got, some, we got all ranges in here, from the power users on to newbies. Excellent. Well, I saw a lot of Gmail hands go up, so there's going to be a couple of Gmail tips in here for you. You may have known about it, you may not have. Down in the corner, I don't know, the interface changes like weekly and you've got options to change it yourself now. But yeah, look for look the like details link. It's now down here. It used to be in this group in the middle somewhere. So you got your message index, conversation index. Down here is a little link called details. You click details and up pops a window that says, I know it's really hard to read in the back. Pay no attention to the details. But there's a listing. And I can see a lot of these came from United States, Wisconsin, United States, Wisconsin. This one's mobile. That one's IMAP. So I know that my phone, my laptop, they should all have, if I'm at home, they're all basically the same IP address. If I see one that looks like it came, came from Hangzhou, China, I know I've got issues. Somebody may be doing something nefarious with me. Or, uh, uh, and Craig actually noticed something yeah. that uh, down on the bottom there's a link that says alert preferences. You can set up alerts to flag you. It will send you an email that says, hey, you've got suspicious activity going on. Well, if you think in bad guy terms, what's the first thing you want to do? Turn that off so this poor sap doesn't get alerts. It'll actually say there's two options. Show alerts and don't show alerts. If you switch it to do not show alerts, it will take one week for that setting to save. So Mr. Bad Guy thinks he turned off alerts and it goes, oh, ding, 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 yeah. you still get alerts. Craig noticed something with his TiVo that it was showing suspicious activity in here. But once you look a little closer, what did it say? Something.tivo.com? Yeah, see, on my TiVo, I logged into YouTube, and you have to use your Gmail username and password. Well, then when I sat down at my Gmail account later on, it was like, you know, I got an alert. It was telling me that, you know, someone, possibly not me, is logging into your account. And, I, of course, I flipped down and started changing my password. And then I looked a little closer, and I saw it was, you know, the, the IP just the Earl was, um, had .tivo at the end of it. It's like, okay, well, that actually was me, but it's good to know. But it was kind of weird that it was coming from .tivo and not from the, my machine. But anyway, but that's something to keep and aware of, and it, it's, it's great, uh, yeah. you know, good flag for you to be aware. Question uh, up front, Michelle? Run, 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 run. Real quickly, I check this about once a week. It's not something I do all the time just because I'm a oh, nervous Nelly, but it's just nice to know, A, it's still working, B, it's still on, so you know, do uh, it the way you will. If the, if the bad guy has access to your email account, what's to stop them from, say, deleting an email from Gmail saying that there's some suspicious activity or dismissing the alert that says there's suspicious activity? Well, actually, uh, it wasn't just an email. At the top of the, e the web page, it was in red that's saying that there was, an, there was a message. I have to actually click on it and look at the logs. But you, can, to dismiss it. but you can dismiss it, though. And what's to stop the bad guy from doing that before you log in the next time? Yeah. Actually, that's... I, I encountered that myself. Okay. I, I that myself. When you disable the message at the top, it comes back every time you log back in for like a week. And you, uh, you, can't, you can't eliminate it completely. Okay. Thank you. I, haven't, I saw one once, and yeah. I, it was so long ago, I don't remember what it was. And I went, oh, yeah, I was I saw anyway. that one time with the TiVo, and I... I don't remember what happened, but I remember it sticking up there for a little while. But Love this crowd. You guys are awesome. Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, I'm sure everybody's familiar with the Nigerian that wants to transfer money in your account to save his royalty family from death and peril. Wait, but what was this? What? What? <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll let you know later. So anyway, some of the things to watch out for for phishing and spam. You know, phishing, of course, is the, is the process of, of just like fishing, you know, you throw a hook out and you're trying to find that fish or somebody that's going to respond to you and actually get some, you know, good information from them to either try and steal their identity or assume them on the internet or whatnot. You know, spam, of course, we've all seen that, just like we were talking about with the Nigerian thing. Um, you know, where they're trying to sell you something. Uh, Gmail's really Viagra. Good. Yeah, Viagra. No, I don't use Viagra. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a couple of things I know Gmail does really good with with a spam. If you do see one, and even messages that have a lot of images on it, those images are off. You know, so 
uh, for a reason. And the reason is that the source where those images are coming from, they're kind of keyed. So when you actually pull that image up, it requests it from their server and it identifies you as a live person reading an email. So that's why a lot of those images are turned off. So leave those off unless you know it's something specifically you're, you're expecting. Um, but yeah, reporting spam and phishing, very important. I think you got some slides on to talk about how to do that. Yeah, I don't know where it went. There it is. Yeah. If you spot in Gmail, if you spot phishing attempts, and they're, they're out there, they're a little rare, but they're out there, you can click on the little down arrow on, it, on the message, on the conversation, and say report phishing. Oh, comment up front. Yeah. Love this crowd. Actually, uh, yeah, there, there we go. Um, actually, I get tons of phishing through my Gmail account, but that's because my Gmail account was associated with my World of Warcraft account. Okay. So they, I get constant, you know, Blizzard, your password needs to be reset. Just click here. Right. Emails. They, of course, they all go in the spam folder. Thank you, Gmail. But if you have an email address associated with some game or something that's visible online somewhere, you mm -hmm. will get those phishing attempts. Mm -hmm. I actually changed the email address it's associated with to a non-public email that I've never posted anywhere just to say, okay, it's coming to that one. It's not an actual one. So, yeah. yeah that's all, what a lot of people do is they make a garbage account somewhere. Say, all right, that's my... That's where I'll yeah. yeah. Right, right. Now, I wouldn't say it was rare because I've gotten a few myself. I wouldn't say a lot, but I've gotten a few. Yeah, I guess it depends on where you're putting your email address, though. Yeah, what kind of sites are you logging into again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do a World of Warcraft podcast. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, excellent. <laughs> and then spam, there's always a nice button in here. The nice thing about reporting spam is it does not report it to Gmail immediately. If you hit that spam button, you may have made a mistake and want to go, oops, that wasn't really spam. It will go into your deleted folder, and after 30 days, that will get deleted. Then it gets counted on the spam list and gets added into their algorithms of whatever they do. So you are allowed to make a mistake with that spam bucket and retrieve it and go get it without any damage. Yes? Um, I've had a number of junk email addresses in, in the past, and um, I've occasionally gotten something I, I did want to read later or wanted to access later and forwarded it to my usable normal email and uh, realizing after the fact that it was a mistake. Now, some of these have been long since abandoned, and I, you know, I just haven't used them. I have no need for them or whatever, and I'm just wondering, does, does this stretch on into infinity? Is there some way that I can go back and actually shut this down, make sure that email address no longer exists, or just does it remain abandoned indefinitely? It would depend on the system. If it's like your internet service provider, you know, I go through Time Warner, whatever it is, and, and that one, I've, I've actually had pretty good luck with Time Warner. The, um, if I were to cease being a customer, they would shut down that email account. And I use that one kind of for the you know, garbage email. Uh, I also have a family account. I've got my own personal domain. And we'll talk about you know, how you can manage those a little more effectively in a bit. But um, do they go on forever? If I, if I have a, uh, you know, freddykruger at gmail.com and I'm no longer the Freddy Krueger character, I'm not Men in Black. Um, whatever happened to that account? Yeah, it's just hanging out there. If people are spamming it and sending it mail, so be it. And you're now given like seven and a half, eight gigabytes worth of storage. If I they're just on the dashboard, can you not, can you not on the dashboard uh, delete your account? I'd have to check. Yeah. I do not know. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Gmail you can, Juno you cannot. Okay. Now, I, I got another little tip, by the way, and I'm, uh, if, if you're, stop me if you already heard it. Now, uh, you know, on Gmail, you can use the plus addresses. I don't know if you're familiar with that, where I have craig.step at gmail.com. Well, say I was signing up for eBay, I could put craig.step plus eBay at gmail.com, and then I still get the message. It ignores everything after the plus. So then you can monitor those email addresses to see if you're getting spam or if this site's spamming you or something like that, then you can just set up a filter to throw it in the trash. That has limited use, though, because not all sites will accept a plus as a valid yeah. email address character. So There are, are, yeah, there are some anonymous relays out there. Spam Gourmet, for one. Um, you can set it up that only a certain number of emails to an address that you set up will get to you. After that number, Like 5, 10, something like that? That's cool. Cool. 
All right. Thank you very much. Uh, another one that I found out was handy is Gmail has this concept of called labs. Anybody use labs? Yeah, lots of hands. If you don't know what labs are, they're kind of um, kind of like a plug-in, an add-on. It's a feature in Gmail that you have the option to turn on or off. There's about 42, 45 of them, something like that at the moment. Some are fun. Have extra colors for your stars. You know, you want to add stars. And your Use more emoticons. You know, just tons of them. One of them is called Authenticate Icon for Verified Senders. eBay and PayPal are the two that are out there right now. I look forward to someday where they have larger ones like Citibank or Wells Fargo or something. It's a way for the sender to say, this is certified from me. So anybody who gets it will know if they see the little key on the conversation index or the key in the upper right when they next to the sender name, when they open up the message. It's a way of saying, yes, that's really eBay. So if I see something that says, hey, your PayPal account needs to be changed and that key isn't there, I'm not even going to touch it. That's definitely a phishing attack because it did not come from PayPal. Because uh, email headers are so easy to spoof. It's ridiculous. It's just text. And I could write something that looks like I'll send it to Craig and it's, he'll open it up and go, wow, it's from Homer Simpson at springfield.us. And I'll get all excited for no reason. Gmail. <laughs> Gmail. Mm, and, and he has no way. He can reply to it, and it'll go back to homer.simpson at springfield.us, but uh, it won't actually go anywhere. But I could, you can see how easy it is to trick him into doing that. I've done it in the past while I was testing various software in previous lives. But this is a way to say, yes, it is who it says it's from. So uh, one of the ways you can uh, help protect yourself is consider the, the domain key identified the domain keys identified mail. Uh, it's more of a benefit to the recipient, and I think you can talk. I'll let you talk a little yeah, more. Yeah, it's if you have an organization that's got hosted Google Apps. You know, some of our business partners do. I think our company has been looking at it, getting all their you know Exchange things and Word docs and whatnot into the cloud. You know, the big buzzwords these days. There's a feature called DKIM. Take a look at it. It's a, it's a benefit to the recipient to say, aha, this really did come from acme.corp. So that's really just about Wiley Coyote at acme.corp. Right. Oh. <laughs> Question in the back. Yeah, just slipping back to the uh, phishing discussion real quick. Mm -hmm. I've been posting some stuff on Craigslist lately, and the scams I've been getting, um, the people are you know interested in buying your stuff. They want it right away. They're asking for your PayPal login. Mm -hmm. They don't want your password. So they're not red flagging it by saying, hey, give me your password. They just want your username. Now, my assumption is that they're just going to take that then obviously then do some password cracking after that to try and break into your account, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny. My dad, he, he's been selling a couple of things online. He's selling a motorcycle and uh, I forget what other stuff. But he had the same thing. But I was kind of proud of him because he identified it too. The guy was like, can you see me my, your account? No, I'll, I'll transfer the money over. Yeah, right. And, you know, he just kind of ignored it. One of my dad's friends, went, they went so far as they were talking to the guy on the phone. He said, yeah, I'm going to bring the cash. And it was, they were trying to get some more information from him, but they never showed up to buy the, buy the thing. But they were actually talking to him on the phone, which is kind of scary in itself. You know? so, but yeah, you're right. You've got to watch out for that stuff. Anybody in here have more than one email address? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody in here have more than five email addresses? Ten. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? How many log into each one of those? Okay, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's painful. Define login. Here's another... Here's, here's, a, here's a shortcut way. You can use something like Gmail to gather all that information into another place. This is another form of security for your other accounts. I've got... Ctomasi at new.rr.com. I don't have a Yahoo account, but I do have many, many personal domains. Chuckdomasi.com, chuckchat.com, foxcitiesmanagers.com, blah, 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 blah. It's as long as my arm. I am not going into each one of those and looking at that email. I can set up Gmail to go retrieve it for me and, with the proper settings in your accounts and whatnot, reply as that account. So let's say Craig sends one to chuck at chuckchat.com. And I read it uh, in my account. I always log into chuck.tomasi at gmail.com. It's there. It's in my conversation index, and I reply to it. He gets a reply from chuck at chuckchat.com. So there's this way of kind of hiding your identity but only logging into one account. 
obviously if I use my ISP as my trash bucket, I'm probably not going to suck that one in as often or at all. Yes. There is one slight issue that they've done with the Gmail. Uh, Do tell. Send it, emailing as. It will actually say sent from your Gmail address or uh, sent uh, okay. by Gmail on in, in addition to your... Oh, the on behalf of yes. things? That should be cleared up. I don't think that's been an no, issue for quite a while. It's still there. It is. Yes. I use my... I, do, I, I have a... Uh, I, I teach. Uh-huh. And my university email is basically a reskinned Hotmail. Not using that, thank you very much. So my university email forwards to my Gmail account, and I send an email to my students that way, and there it is, right there. I I know there's two different ways to set that up, and and one will do yeah. that, and one yeah, won't. So you might want to check that out. I would out. like to know how to get rid of that because yeah. it's a big problem. Search for on behalf of Gmail, okay. and it should tell you how to yeah. get around that. Because I couldn't find a way to turn it off. Because you get email from me all the time, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Unfortunately. Oh, do we have another comment question? Thought I heard a. Oh. One of the yeah. things. One of the things I'm a little reluctant to do is filter everything through Gmail myself. I have an Android tablet, I have mm-hmm. an Android phone, I have a Gmail account, but I refuse to use Gmail as my major email address because it seems to me Gmail can totally lock me out of my account if they perceive I violated anything that's part of their standards or requirements or practices or anything. I've heard stories of people that use Google Docs and everything. You know, they, they put everything in the cloud, they've yeah, got I'd gigabytes of stuff there, and totally lose it, and they, they can't get it back. They can't get back into their information. I don't know that that risk is any greater with Google than any other provider or whatnot. Yes, you're, you're limiting your risk if you have these things segregated, but then you look at, is it a convenience to have them all integrated into one place? I mean, yeah. Google already knows, if you're afraid of giving your way identity, they already know your shoe size. They already know your preferences and everything else. Well, I mean, they've I would, searched it out of everywhere. But well, I would go as far as to say that uh, to get around that risk, you've got to run your own mail server. You know, because right. that's the only way you can keep control. your stuff. You know, uh, or, you know, unless you just want to keep your stuff, you could always use Thunderbird or something to download it, but... I always download right to Apple. I have a hard copy on my drive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm just saying, you know, to, yeah. to, to get around being locked out by anybody, just you got to run your own mail server, you know, yeah. The, the, the underlying message here is that you can increase your security because I can put a 40-character password out here. Really hard to crack. And the only person who needs to know about it is this Gmail account when it talks to it. I only need to put it in my pi- password vault in case that thing ever goes kaput. I can still get to my personal domain. But it's going to be really hard. I've, I've limited, not totally, I mean, not eliminated, but I've greatly reduced the risk on this personal domain account out here at chucktomasi.com that anybody's going to bash into that thing and get it because it's got a horrendously long obfuscated password. Do we have another question in the back? Yeah. Yeah, but it is not related, actually. Uh, I lost my Gmail account. That's why I'm not using it right now. What happened, uh, I was entering password. Mm -hmm. It was telling me it is wrong password. Then I just wanted to retrieve the password. And I was using my username. It was telling me it doesn't exist. And then I just wanted to recreate my username. Okay. And then it was telling me it already exists. Ouch. So Were I you able to contact anybody at Google about that? I sent email, but I got no response. So hmm. now I'm using Looks the like We have a, a follow-up comment to that one up here. That's a, that's a different problem. They all pretty much have a rule that they will not reuse an account ever for any reason and and the only way you can get ar- around that is once you've been locked out figure out a way uh, to get back in and if you um, if you have a good argument and if you can answer all their questions then they may let you back in it may take two weeks or so but um, but but it has been done I and mean, you, you can do it you, you've got to answer a lot of questions about like when you set it up and uh, on and on and on, okay? There is a way, um, I don't know if I have it in this or the next slide, um, but when you set up your Gmail account, or any account for that matter, make sure there's a way to retrieve that password. Um, I know Google has a way you can email it to another account, you can SMS it to your phone, you can SMS it to somebody else's phone, so you can say, hey, I lost my password, and it will send you a temporary one. Yes, Luigi? What is SMS? <laughs> so what is SMS? SMS, messages? text messaging, short, short message service. 
See, thank you. I told you somebody would get me with an acronym. <laughs> I tried doing an, uh, a presentation like this. We got a question in the back. With absolutely no acronyms, boy, did that not last long. You try, you try saying transmission control protocol slash internet protocol 50,000 times in a conversation. Anyway, in the back. Have you talked about Google's two-step authentication yet? You are like two slides ahead of me, buddy. Hold that thought. Yeah. You think I put that guy in the back corner for Pace a reason. yourself, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sir. Well, the, the obvious thing is that... Why you got a Netscape logo on there? I'm just, uh. Hey, I couldn't find... <laughs> I couldn't. Okay. All right. Anyway. Couldn't find Mozilla. Well, one of the things that we wanted to make sure everybody was aware of, or Mosaic. keep in mind, is that the one, the best way to really protect yourself, one of the best ways, is to keep your software up to date. Whether you're talking about system updates, uh, you know, or browsers. I know Chrome's really good about updating without even you realizing it. Firefox is uh, just about as good. Um, you know, so you got to keep up on those updates, your plugins. And be careful what plugins you do have installed on Firefox and Chrome, because uh, who knows where some of these people, you know, who they are, they write these things, and they can sniff out some of that information, like your passwords and whatnot. So, but be sure to keep your all your software up to date. Um, that's our PSA for today. If you are in a corporate environment, make sure that you work coordinate that with your uh, IT department, of course. Mm -hmm. You know, you may think this is my laptop, my machine. It's actually theirs. Uh, and if you update, even though you may be able to update from, say, Firefox 3 to 6, <laughs> you may break some things along the way because they haven't had a chance to test all those applications. So there might be a reason why they're still using IE 7 when IE 9 is out. There's all kinds of compatibility <laughs> things. I didn't say it. And according yeah, to this graphic, you're supposed to update Internet Explorer three times as many. <laughs> that, that sounds That's a hurry, yeah. <laughs> And Netscape's on its way out, you can see. So, has anybody ever used two-factor authentication? You got one of those little key fob things that hangs on your security badge? Quite a few hands going up. Excellent. Uh, if, if you're not aware, two-factor authentication is something you know, password, I just can't wait to be king, and something you have, like one of those little magic key fobs. It's just a little electronic device that spits out six digits, changes every 60 seconds or so. So when you log in, Chuck.Tomasi type in the password. I just can't wait to be king. And the next thing it says is, good, give me the magic number. Now, if Craig was looking over my shoulder and he saw, oh, I just can't wait to be king. What an egotistical SOB. <laughs> I'm telling your wife, man. Then I type in my magic number. He might even get that. But 60 seconds later, that number doesn't do any good. And if I walk away with my little key fob, he can't do anything either. So it's, a, it's another level of security to keeping that account secure. Oh, we're going to open up a can of worms. Um, a lot of uh, MMOs have started issuing these Blizzard, Final Fantasy, yep. it, yeah, um, they, which has revealed a pretty nasty vulnerability in them is they're really vulnerable to man-in-the-middle attacks. If you have a system that's intercepting between your system and the login server, mm -hmm. it can just simply log in as you in that 60-second time frame. And it's it's been a problem. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, especially with that, with that little window, like you said. Yeah. You, know, you capture both the password and that number, you know, you're, you could and be... It's an automated yeah. system. It's mm -hmm. Actually, that man-in-the-middle attack has been negated since a, uh, our, the RS, there's been a whole batch of RSAs that were completely revoked mm -hmm. because they were produced in China. Yeah. And China has the keys, so they don't care. Right. I did remember, but that's recent. Uh, they were talking about that, right? Like one, two months Yeah. Hold on. Microphone. Oh, sorry. Back in like April, some hackers broke into RSA and stole all the algorithms for creating the. I'm sorry. Right, that's thing. probably the story I'm referring to right off the bat. So I mean, yeah. what happens when they have the algorithms? Yeah, that's to generate the magic numbers. Mm -hmm. You still need your password and the RG. Yeah. Well, they can get the password. I mean, if they change can your password it, in 60 days, you won't have to worry about wasn't it. Wasn't the algorithm actually open for a while, quite a while? No, not the CQ. Not, not the, not yeah, the I mean, an early one, I guess. That's what I'm thinking of. But Like the RSA encryption algorithm, that's still open, but the stuff to make the magic numbers, that's proprietary, and they're right. giving that up. Right. Right. Did you still have a question back here? 
Wow, he's got ESP. He's being answered wirelessly. It's freaky. E- that would be ESPN <laughs> wirelessly. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. But I still think I could throw up to him. You do. It's your phone. Another, <laughs> another common negative to the secure ID chips is whenever your account gets uh, hijacked and the hacker actually applies one of these, it can take you months to a year or more to get your account back. They did that to his that account. Oh, Ouch. Wow. Ouch. All right. Well, since we're so in favor of two-factor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, there is a way to apply this in Gmail. There's a very easy way. I was leery of doing it because I thought it was going to be this huge inconvenience that I have to enter two things every time I logged in. Not so. I've got this laptop with my primary browser. I say, remember this key for 30 days. So when it generates a number, I enter it once a month. And it never bothers me again about it. So it's as, it's as easy as, as regular logins and just pull up Gmail and there so it is. don't steal his laptop. Yeah, for 30 days. When you do that, yeah. if you reboot, do you typically have to re-enter the key? Because I do, and it gets annoying. As, I've, I've rebooted this about once a day for the last week, just because uh, I think it was VMware or my, my airbook. No, I don't think it's, it's been a problem for me. Really? Yeah. I get, well, then I guess it's because I use Ubuntu. I, I guess Google hates Linux, even though they use it in Android <laughs> Sorry, to run, our, to just collect everything. I won't get political on you. The, uh, the process for setting this up is very, very easy. There's a step-by-step. I'm going to publish this presentation and those step-by-step instructions uh, on the Gmail podcast website. It's just gmailpodcast.com, or if you go to chuckjat.com, there's a Gmail icon there if you want it. Uh, again, or go to one of the URLs that were there and click podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll have that if you want pictures and cool things. and Otherwise, it's pretty dirt simple to set up. Uh, and once I did, I was very happy. What you use is they don't send you the RSA token. You download an app on your Android or your iPhone or whatever, and you sync those up so that when it comes up with a number, the application knows. They're not talking to each other in any way, shape, or form other than that initial sync up and test, and then you're done. Uh, and, and like these things, it's good for about 60 seconds. You're good to go. You're on your way. But it's another level of security that's easy to implement, easy to live with, that makes it very much more difficult to hack that up. We gotta, oh, go ahead, Kyle. Oh yeah, Chuck, just to follow up on the previous question with uh, Google's two-factor authentication, Mm -hmm. after you authenticate once with your uh, token, uh, Google will plant a cookie or something on the browser. That's why it's not supposed to go away, even after a reboot. But if you do something like in Firefox where you purge all your personal information, yeah. that, that gets purged too. And I think uh, Chrome should be able to do it, but I haven't figured out how to do it yet. But that could be why you're experiencing that. How to purge or how to retain? Yeah, both. Okay. So that's why you could be experiencing two different things on different browsers. We had a question in the back. Gentleman with the red shirt and red lanyard. Run, run. If it's downloaded to your phone as an app, Mm-hmm. and you're working on, say, a, uh, a distributed laptop, you got it from the company to work on, and this is used to protect the personal data that way, couldn't anyone who also has a smartphone and said app come in, get a key that would work for 60 seconds? No, because you got to have to have your password and then the number. One assumes they have your password. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the password would be just to secure us both pieces. But... If they have the app on their phone, can they not also generate this key? No. No, because if I've got it and he's got it and he even has my password, even though he's downloaded the app, I've synced my account to recognize the numbers are completely different. We can pull up our phones at the exact same time. They'll have two different numbers. His number won't work to get into my account. It's it's a short story. Did you have something to add to that? Okay. Um, so an <laughs> a easy explanation for that is when you download the app, they will generate a 2D barcode. You have to use That's your what it was. you have to use your smartphone to scan a 2D barcode to initialize the two-factor. So other people won't see the 2D. Fa- yeah. Uh, That's what I was barcode. trying to remember. Uh, how it was? You sync them yeah. up. That was it. A barcode. Yeah. And if you don't have a barcode reader, you're going well. I have the old crappy one with no camera on it, or I don't. I didn't download the QR thing. You can, they give you a like 16-character password they have to type in. So there are alternate ways. They know everybody doesn't have 
barcode reader capabilities. So the danger of all this stuff is that if your hardware gets lost or damaged, yep. then you're you're just out of luck because now you don't have the way to get in and you're just shut out. Sure you do. Much, right? You have the backup, give me the SMS, you've got your one-time passwords. Okay. If somebody were to steal my phone, here's another good topic about two-factor. Uh, you've got these devices with, you go, hey, wait a minute, Outlook doesn't have a two-factor mechanism. I've got login and password when I set up that IMAP account, right? How do I get to my two-factor Gmail? They give you an application-specific key. You can generate these. I recommend doing them per platform rather than per application because if somebody steals my phone, I don't want to have to go regenerate 14 keys because I have 14 different applications. I generate one key and I use it for the mail account. I use it for anything that's talking to Gmail, whether it's Twitter or, or what have you. And if somebody steals my phone, I log into Google, go to my accounts and say, revoke the application password called iPhone. And now they can no longer log in with that. If they steal my iPhone before I get a chance to do that, they can log into my Gmail and they might be able to send and receive stuff and drag my name through the mud and whatever, but they cannot change or revoke my password. That can only be done through the webmail interface. In order to do that, you got to have the RSA key. We go, well, it was on my phone. They stole that. Then you can use the backup SMS. You can use your one-time password. You can do that kind of stuff to get that. You can kind of bootstrap yourself back up because they give you all these backups. They know if someone's going to lose their phone, flush it down the toilet, get it stolen, whatever happens to be. I see you flush an iPhone down the toilet. Is that a challenge? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, we're going to be in the bathrooms Does it have here. to be mine? Yeah. You said a, a, an iPhone. I don't have an iPhone. Yeah, we got yeah, a spare we... one right here. <laughs> blend it first. Yeah, blend it. <laughs> uh, you blend it, then it'll flush. Um, yes, say you set up uh, two-factor on your Gmail account. I set up two-factor on my Gmail account. Okay, then say you bought a... Say then you bought an Android phone. Okay. Uh, now, as I understand it, in order to set up, uh, in order to set up uh, an Android phone, you need to first log into your Gmail account, well, your Google account. Mm -hmm. But you won't be able to get the text from the two-factor until you can get into your phone, which you can't do until you set up the Gmail account. Is well, is that how it works, or will, or do they do something different because, oh, this is a two-factor account, but you're trying to set it up for the first time, so we'll let it slide for now? My brain hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. You have to come up with another Gmail address. Yeah. Oh, you did? You have to come up with another well, Gmail address. I did. Well, I think um, well, you would have an option to do it, go through the web, the web page is. and set up your application key. So you wouldn't have to. So there's another method in addition to those 10 keys you get when you first create the two-factor authentication. I think it, the SMS can go to another phone number not linked to your phone. That's right. Yeah, it'll actually prompt you for a phone number. Yeah. Or they have one other method. I can't remember. I think it was a might have been an audio phone call, not SMS, but mm -hmm. some other method. Well, but to get that call, you still have to be able to use your phone, which means you have to be able to get into your Gmail account. No, you oh, can use you, you a can separate phone. And yeah, yeah it'll prompt you for yeah. a phone oh, number okay. or something. You should be you. able to receive texts even though you're not officially on a Google account. I mean, because your texts aren't related to your Google. They're related to your carrier. My phone wouldn't activate without my phone wouldn't activate without being connected to a Gmail account. Oh, Android, yeah, that's the catch. Okay, thank you. Yeah, it's the Android. They want a Google account. Period. <laughs> period. Wow, that's nice of them. No, you know what? I think I don't think that's the same with Gingerbread anymore because I, I had a Nexus One and I reset it and I was able to go into uh, the operating system without setting up an account at all. Um. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, because I had a T-Mobile SIM in it, so yeah. Good stuff. Any other questions? It's close about, if it's about two-factor, forget it. Couldn't find anything. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're running a personal web server, what about using a service such as MailRoute? What about it? Well, what MailRoute does is they take over your MX record, all the mail gets forwarded to them and then to your personal mail server, 
and then anything that doesn't try to resend the message just gets dropped. And that blocks most spam. But what happens when they figure out, oh, we can send it twice and it will get through? He puts on his thinking face. Yeah. I see the smoke coming out of his ears. I don't have an answer for that. Sorry, you stumped the chump. <laughs> is, uh, there, there used to be a, uh, a plugin that lets you do uh, GPG encryption through like Firefox to Gmail. Is there any that died horribly years ago? Is there any kind of replacement for that to do true encrypted emails? I think I used that with Mozilla a long time ago, but uh, I don't remember seeing anything uh, again for that. Oh, we had a question up here too. Go ahead. I was going to make two comments. Um, I know that we have a fairly intelligent crowd here today, but uh, if you have the opportunity, spend some time to understand how uh, email is received to you and understand that uh, very simply the way it can be put is uh, email addresses are like return addresses on envelopes that get sent to you. They can be anything you want. Mm -hmm. I can send a message to you and say it's from uh, Obama and it looks, hey, it's from Obama. But you know, if you look up in that corner and you see the stamp of where it comes from, like it's from this city, maybe it's not Washington, D.C. So if you have some time, I understand most of this group probably understands a lot of this anyway, but uh, look at those headers and understand where those uh, 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 mail servers that are being sent from. Look up the MX records, find out where they are. That's a uh, Pretty, pretty basic thing you can do to understand where stuff comes from and, and understand that how your incoming mail server is being configured from how it receives mail from other places is very important. That's a huge battle in the ISP is in configured mail clients. I mean, most of them are just not configured right. Most of them. You can go through and look and they're just, they're dreadful. It's like what kind of monkey got a hold of an IP address and made some mail services on it? You're Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> I used to run an ISP. I've seen all kinds of. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You receive these. The other point I'd like to make, this is real quick, is is the man in the middle. Um, I actually work for a pretty large uh, local ISP in Gainesville, Florida. We run actually Ethernet, uh, internet to apartment complexes, and we do nothing wirelessly. And for the reason for that is, is wireless is just a nightmare when it comes to what you're connecting to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could go downtown, plat my laptop down, put down an access point and call it Starbucks 2, and I'm going to get all kinds of people connecting to it, just yeah. like that. And I see people at their houses that run MAC address filtering, change that every month, got WAP2, and they have all this other stuff on there, and then they go downtown and connect to Starbucks Wireless. And I'm like, you know, Silly, you just compromised your entire uh, comp, but everything you've done has just been negated just through that one thing you just did. So I can understand that. I can understand that. They got to have their coffee first, right? Before they get smart. <laughs> exactly. Up. But and then people will call up and ask me why uh, we don't run wireless. I'm like, <laughs> you don't want to connect wireless. Trust me. Yeah. So it's like yeah. a version of the Darwin Awards in a way. Yes. On the thing about looking at the headers, um, as uh, uh, sir over there, on the thing about the, get his attention. The, the, uh, knock, knock. Hey, on the headers, looking at the headers, my recollection is that uh, Hotmail, you used to could do that just by selecting an option. I, I see how but, you are. I see what you're looking but, um, but I think they took that away. So if you go and l try to look for headers, you, you may find that you can't see them anymore, at least on oh, wait, my recollection uh, Hotmail. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, we got to give away the All book. these people are bailing. we still got to do our giveaway. Well, that's all right. Yeah. 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 See ya. I think we have, we have one more question over here, right behind you. One last question. He's been patiently waiting. So I just wanted to mention my pet peeve in this uh, arena is the use of personal information to reset passwords. So, like, you know, what's the name oh, of your yeah. favorite pet? And, I mean, there's been several examples of people reverse engineering these questions and hacking to people's accounts by figuring out that personal information. So my recommendation is always uh, adding a nonce to that info. So if the question is, you know, what's the, what's the name of your favorite pet? Fort Knox. It's Rex. You say, you know, put it like Rex1234 on the end so that even if somebody figures out the name of your favorite pet, they can't uh, do that reset information. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was your mother's maiden name? Fort Knox. <laughs> All right. Where were you born? Fort Knox. All right. Do you, who do you, uh, are you, oh. Okay. Uh, one we last, need, we need one a last third, question. Third party impersonal. Okay, one more. Uh, are there any are there any mail clients for Android that allow you to input GPG keys and do encryption on your phone? He's the Android guy. I'm the iPhone guy. Good luck. I to be honest with you, I haven't really looked at um, at anything like that for like a, especially like a mail client. So 
I don't really have an answer for you. Um, I, I'd have to look. Anybody else got a? I was going to say, the red hat guy's got a. Right, they're bailing on us fast. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Let him go. All right. I'm sorry, what was your name with the microphone? Uh, no. Right I told him we already got one. You want to pick out a name out of the hat? You're a we need two, so pick out one, and we'll go over that. We'll start there. Or the hat box. It's a hard drive. Hey, box. a Dragon Con, it could be a hat. Greg Regula? Greg Regula. There you go. Hey! You can have your card back. And we'd be happy to sign it if you like, too. Thank you. No idea if you're interested in WordPress, but it's a free book. What do you say? Yeah. <laughs> Number two. Connor Saratak. Connor. Connor, congratulations. Come on up. Hey, thank you, everybody. This is way more fun than I re ever imagined. You guys are terrific. And have a great Dragon Con. That's all for this time. Comments, suggestions, and questions can be sent to gpodcast at gmail.com or visit the website for other ways to contact me at chuckchat.com, along with over 100 other ways you can be more effective with Gmail. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to write. You've got Gmail.